because in student life, you not only need spaces to learn about your bachelor, but you also need spaces to learn about like relationships and how you deal with life. And what the Consent Project is trying to do is create a more self-aware and authentic society that can really stand up for their choices and be self-aware of, yeah, sometimes I people please because of this and this factor, I'm gonna watch out for that. Because such a big part of trauma is like you rethinking like, did I cause this? Or like, did this happen because of my fault? Or was this okay? Am I overthinking it? You just start like overthinking in your head so much and blaming yourself. Hello everyone, my name is Jacob and this is UT Journeys. Wonderful series when we sit with inspiring students to talk about their lives, motivation, and most importantly, how you can enhance your study journey. In today's episode, we will talk with Alexandra Mulder, third-year mechanical engineering student from Chile. Ale is a winner of 2023 Active Student of the Year, chair and founder of Amnesty International U20, founder of the Consent Project. She participated in University Innovation Fellows, but also she's a person with inexpressive self-awareness and passion. Enjoy. Hi, Ale. Thank you a lot for coming to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's my honor to be here. Uh, it's our honor. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us something about the Amnesty 20. Okay. My my beloved Amnesty 20. Um yeah, okay, I can tell you guys all the journey of how, how that came to be. Um, so Amnesty U20 began as a Let's Talk About Yes campaign. And it was a campaign that was launched by Amnesty International. Do you know what Amnesty International is? No, I no? don't. Okay, yeah, <laughs> maybe let's start there. Uh, well, it's a human rights organization and they're based like all over the world, like even in Chile, Poland as well, like everywhere. And they focus on like human rights. And I really love their concept because um, they work with like uh, cases of people that have had their human rights violated and support them with lawyers and get them out of like uh, prison if they were like unfairly uh, imprisoned. And then they also do like national campaigns for like against governments or help governments like implement human rights. And in the Netherlands, they made a campaign called Let's Talk About Yes. And that was all about changing the law against rape, but also like raising awareness in higher level education institutions, so like universities, um, around sexual assault, around how you can support victims, but also around on prevention and how we really need to change the culture around sex and consent and talking about sex and also supporting each other and uh, creating safer environments. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it began. And now a bit more personal story. Um, I came to the Netherlands, um, 2021, September with a famous kick-in. You also came in 2021, right? Yes, but unfortunately I couldn't do the kick-in. No. Yes. You missed it. Yes. Okay. Well, the big kick in. And then I think it's where you really get to know student culture and everything. And I was coming from Chile where um, there's a lot of a big macho and a sexist culture. But it's very much 
talked about within university students because in Chile, like university and student life is very political. So you're talking daily about what is affecting our country, what is affecting students, what is affecting our community and how we can change it. So there's a lot of like feminist perspectives and how we can better support people, etc. And when I came to the Netherlands, it was like the complete opposite because, okay, super liberal country, first world country, they, yeah, they kind of have their shit together. But in the student life, I saw like such a big disconnect with society. I felt like students didn't really care what they were saying or how that was um, supporting a certain like uh, culture that accepted sexual assault or sexist culture or racist culture, etc. And then I just started dropping hints of like, okay, who thinks like me and who actually cares about like other things besides just having fun and drinking. I was also like very much emerged in a Dutch uh, student association. And then one girl told me about the Let's Talk About Yes campaign. And I was like, okay, let's join. Nice. This is like what I want to work with. And then we worked a bit, did some things. And then in December, both of these girls graduated and one just left. And I was left all on my own with this like mission of I want to raise awareness that this is a problem that we're all contributing to and that we can better support our community and then then we can more talk about that but in a university ecosystem you have so many people you can reach out to um, so I started reaching out to people and saying like hey would this be something that interests you and I got a team of like four people uh, which is like also the core of Amnesty now And we just like grew things to the next dimension. Like we understood that sexual violence was much more beyond just the assault, but like all about culture, all about how we, the sex education we get, how we're educated with porn, the resources that we have, how we talk about sex with our friends, with our partners and our relationships. And we just extended the topic like to every taboo topic that we've never been allowed to talk about. So we start talking about porn, about pleasure, about intimacy, about polyamory, um, and then got deeper into like sex education because we were like, fuck, no one taught us anything. Let's learn at 21. Uh, so then like STDs, menstruation, um, a lot of things. And now we are a team of, of people that are extremely passionate, extremely driven to make this world a better place. And we tried to create safe spaces um, at the UT to talk about stigmatized topics that are really hindering us from living a better life and to form better relationships and better friendships. So we like take one topic for every two months and then we switch. So then we like make these little social media campaigns and like these events to just raise awareness about these topics. And then we go moving. And with that, we also learn ourselves. And yeah, that's kind of Amnesty UT. A lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot, <laughs> but that's really amazing. I need to tell all of the social media and everything will be obviously in the description. But yes. can you tell us uh, about the events that you're also hosting? Yeah, so the events, they all have like this principle that, okay, we're all old 
we're older, we're not kids, we don't have to get taught something, but we just need a safe space to have information, but also just talk about it and give each other advice. So we had a really cool event um, the last June that we want to repeat, and it's called it was called Rethinking Sex and Intimacy. And pretty much we were showing these like videos with experts talking about a certain topic and then dividing into like groups of seven people and they just talked and they talked about their sexual experiences. They talked about their relationships. They talked about their childhood, their traumas, everything. And it was just like also from all across the UT. Um, so that was really nice. We also had a similar event like this on cheating and why people cheat and how that affects us. And then the last uh, event we had was, yes, yesterday was, no, Wednesday was Valentine's Day. And uh, we had a pop-up at the Reveline uh, raising awareness on love languages and how that can help you, yeah, live better lives and have better friendships and relationships. Um, and yeah, we had different games and, and things like that. And who could join? When exactly, uh, where exactly you were putting it through for people to be able to register or just came by, see how it is, uh, how it is. And so, yeah, we try to share it on our like uh, WhatsApp groups, also like on the typical WhatsApp groups that our community is in, uh, but also on Instagram. That's like our main channel. And then if people want to join as activists, they can also just DM us and we'll interview them and onboard them into the team. But yeah, we try to work at a very like non-hierarchical level. So it's just like, just talk to us and we're down to collaborate but to come to our events our instagram which is also another story because they instagram meta took it down like three months ago and they deleted our account with like almost a thousand followers deleted all our content everything was fully gone why like it was it was bad um so as i said we're also a human rights organization So uh, with everything going on in Gaza right now, we talked about the Israel-Palestine conflict and uh, held a moment of silence for all victims uh, bo on both sides, um, really just to unite people and be like, yo, this is not political, this is human. And uh, certain groups, certain Zionist groups started like uh, reporting us and like uh, reporting our account, also commenting and creating fake accounts to just take our account down. And I think it was very few people that just had a lot of energy to do that. And then Meta just took it down without even like, they gave us like one warning and then they just took it down and we can't request for it back. So just gone. Okay, so that's why you needed to create the new one. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so now it's building up. <laughs> again, let's yeah. build it up to yeah, let's 2000 up. this time. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, hopefully. But yeah, we try to use it as a as a channel where people can connect, but also where we can like talk about these topics. Because in student life, you not only need spaces to learn about your bachelor, but you also need spaces to learn about like relationships and how you deal with life. And that's also what we try to create in our social media, like giving our opinions and also giving our tips and also making it fun and talking about some controversial topics which are also nice to talk about <laughs> why do you think here the people are not talking about this kind of the stuff the taboo yeah okay i i have strong opinions on this <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> well like i noticed that coming from chile 
Um, in Chile, we have a mindset that like everything's wrong with our country and we need to really fix it. And our, our government is not doing a great job and we need to like fit like we need to help uh, the culture like move and get out of this like sexist um, environment and and yeah, culture. And I feel like in the Netherlands, there is more of an idea that like, we're already advanced, like we're already liberal. We've already talked about like the LGBTQ community. We've already talked about feminism. We were pretty good, like women can work here. So like, why, why should we talk about it? And then every single behavior that like leads to like a toxic culture. So for example, in the kick-in, they had this thing called the cantus. And pretty much people just come in and, well, it was very, I can talk about it a lot, but it was quite toxic. And a lot of the songs that we had to sing were very sexist and very racist. And imagine 2,000 people that are 20 years old singing this in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. I was like, do you guys not understand how this like leads to very uncomfortable situations and how you're like supporting this type of culture and just perpetuating it and then they have like the basis to fall on and say no but we're liberal enough so we can do this type of things we we already talked about that so then all the taboo topics remain taboo because people think that we're good enough like it's already good enough so that's that's my opinion on why I think we don't really talk about this. And it's also very uncomfortable. And in many countries, I think we don't talk about it. In Chile, within the student community, we do. But also not as a country. It's also quite taboo. Where do you think is... Uh, because in this kind of the problems, I also understand that there may be the kind of two sides of, of the coin. One is having a right to speak and uh, where exactly this to, to how much people should be restricted or should be able to express themselves or sing the songs that they want and the other side where is the the actually telling that okay this can be a pretty offensive to to this this group of people yeah that's a coin that's a, quite a coin um i think i stand for self-awareness so not telling people like you can't do this or you can do this but them being aware and not just like, yeah, living in the matrix that just like everything's a joke and everything's just chill. But like, why why do you think certain ways or or why do you feel comfortable talking about certain things but not others? So I feel like if people have self-awareness that, okay, sexism and how we talk about sexual assault, for example, um, it's deeper than that. And... If people have that self-awareness, I think they can decide for themselves when it's right or wrong for them to do a certain thing. But I wouldn't restrict someone's freedom of speech, for example. Yeah, that I see. Sense. I see. Yeah, that's that's really good. So, uh, so with all of the events that you're doing, you always want to actually show it to make the people aware that something like that can uh, can be hard, harm, harmful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We what we try like what I realized, and since this is like UT journeys, and students want to feel empowered by 
their voice and the impact that they want to leave in this world, like you can do anything. Like if you want to raise awareness about a certain topic, you can just book some tables at the Raveline or at the Wire and just talk about it. So we are very actionable. We say like, okay, this is something that's not really talked about. Let's just open up a space. And when you open a space in an ecosystem that's like so many students, they're all eager to learn. Everyone has different opinions and different backgrounds. Sometimes just opening up the space is impact and it's enough for people to reflect because with topics around sexuality, sexual violence and relationships, people feel very uncomfortable talking about it. And sometimes they don't even have the space to be like, yo, this is actually how I feel about it. So simply just opening up a space is already creating an impact and raising awareness. So do you think that university has enough um enough systems in place to take care of uh, this kind of the problems um when we talk about problems are we talking about sexual violence or yes yeah? with everything that you're yeah because uh, we have different focuses we have like focuses on human rights on sexual violence and also on just developing like your relational skills and um like Cheating, for example, maybe it relates to sexual violence and human rights because it really affects people, but it's also a bit out there. But regarding sexual violence, I think um, the university needs to see that this is a bigger problem than what they think it is. And I understand it's it's quite a hard topic and it's a quite a hard job, but simply just empowering students to talk about things that they feel like are important and affects them. I think that the university maybe doesn't do enough on creating those spaces or empower students to do so. And doing that can create like a domino effect. You know, if you tell a student like, what do you think? Have you reflected on this? Have you talked with other people about it? Um, okay, get, gather a group, uh, start reflecting, start mapping out these ideas. You can create a domino effect of a university of impact. Um, and I feel like that's a untapped uh, thing in universities. And do you want to start this domino? Yeah, yeah. Effect? I feel like we, I think with Amnesty, we have started it quite a bit. You know, the people that we get, um, I talk with them and they always tell me like, I never thought that... Um, I could have this impact or I never thought my voice could be heard and I never thought I could just plan an event and do it and with Amnesty we're very much about empowering people so that's already a domino effect if you create a group where you're empowering students that already is is so much. Yes, I need to tell that I was uh, once on the active bystander training Okay. With the lunch and everything that was really good. Yeah, what did you think about it? How was your experience? Yes, I remember we. Uh, it was really mind opening. I need to tell because I was there with my uh, my friend. Just casually sent it to me. I was like, oh, that'll be cool to go. Uh, we go there, and it kind of really opened me. This like what literally I can do if I see there is some kind of the assaulting going on or so. And like I remember, also I really like that you encapsulated in like five Ds. Yeah. So I don't I don't remember if I will like put it all good, but it's uh -huh. like distract, delegate, 
document um, uh, direct yes yeah last one you need to help delay me. delay, delay exactly. yeah <laughs> i always when i have to think about the five it's always a, a process but yeah yes yes but it is like really nice. really shows you what you can really do and uh just simple simple thing so uh the main idea was that if you can s if you're seeing someone that is being assaulted uh in any way uh how you as a person w want to need like if you want to engage in it in some point to like uh, help help with it uh what you need to do to also not escalate it Mm. And I, for example, distract thing was just so opening. Like it's it, mind You can just go there and and you you may see on some party or somewhere that 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 some someone is like uh, getting harassed. Yeah, getting harassed and so and then you can just casually go to them and it's like oh oh what the time is it or something like that. So yeah. something just like out of the mind, but uh, but it is like already showing that people are there. Yeah, this is really good. Yeah, it's super mind opening. Um, yeah, for context, it's pretty much like an intervention model on how you can intervene if you see harassment happening. And sometimes we always think like direct is the only way. So like directly intervening, like what are you doing? Like this is wrong. Please stop. Which is also like important, um, but it can also escalate the situation. And it's it's really mind opening. Also, the first time I had the training myself, I was like, there's other ways because sometimes we doubt ourselves and we're like, no, like the social anxiety starts kicking in and you don't know if you're reading the situation well or not. And you're like, what should I do? What should I do? But yeah, for the people who don't know, distract is yeah what you just said, like distracting um, from the situation, asking what the time is, asking for directions and just like getting the harasser away from the victim and creating that like gap so someone can yeah a distraction so someone can actually leave the situation so yeah it's really good i'm glad you joined it and that you found it useful yeah i did i yeah. really did yeah no it's it's good because these things it's like you can have so much impact with such little things and really change someone's lives and everything's a domino effect. So if you start intervening and someone sees that, they're also going to be like, oh, then I can also intervene. Or your friends, they're also going to feel empowered by the fact that you are taking action to, to help people and help this community. So that's really nice. Yes, and also with the uh, delaying, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understood it is that uh, if you will go to the victim even after uh, after harassment has been done, uh, like even some like light harassment, not like really, really strong one, then you can um, decrease the mental... Um, trauma. Trauma. Yeah, a lot by just pointing it like, oh, hey, that was really weird what the guy was talking about or something like that. Yeah. And then showing that actually uh, the other people see sees it and it isn't like normal. It isn't normalized. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Because such a big part of trauma is like you rethinking, like, did I cause this or like did this happen because of my fault or was this okay? Am I overthinking it? You just start like overthinking in your head so much and blaming yourself because we have such a culture of like blaming the victim like oh it happened because you were wearing this or you were here or you looked at this person and just telling them like that was not okay that can really change the 
way you pro and you process that situation the way you process the situation yes <laughs> and this week what have you done for the valentine's day yeah so for valentine's day do you know what love languages are jacob love languages i i think i i heard about the concept yes so the how you're showing the love so it can be um Uh, it can be attention, it can be uh, touch and other... I don't, I, this I, I wouldn't <laughs> be... <able> to. <laughs> we need the honesty, we need the honesty. Mm -hmm. But it's nice, yeah, it's a, it's like similar... Yeah, it's exactly that. Um, so there's five love languages and they help you like love in better ways. Um, I can tell them real quick, so we mm. also tell the audience. <laughs> um, yeah, so you have quality time, um, giving gifts gift giving um acts of service so doing something nice for someone so it's different than gift giving and then you have physical touch and words of affirmation so like i love you i miss you i appreciate you uh things like that and they really can help you love someone if you know their love language do you know what your love language is yes i i remember i was uh, thinking about it this uh, act of service okay for sure Uh, and uh, the first one that you told that uh, quality time, quality time as yeah. well. Yes, those yes. are big ones. Yeah, nice. but also I, I think also uh, the touch, the physical yeah. touch, is yeah. important. Yeah, because for me, mm, I would say quality time and physical touch mm -hmm. are the big ones. And yeah, it can really help you. Like for example, if you have a friend and your love language is physical touch, but your friend hates getting hugs and like getting touched, and you want to show him love, like you have to show them love on how they receive that love, you know? Because sometimes we think about love very individu individualistic. So we're like, I'm gonna love to like make myself feel good, but we want to love to make other people feel loved. So if you know what their love language is, then you can much easily tend to their needs. And if go out of your way and give them an act of service, if that's what they appreciate. And then having that conversation, not only with your partner, but with your friends, with your family, um it can really help you like love them <laughs> in better ways so yeah we had a whole like pop-up telling people about this and asking them we also interviewed people and asked if they knew the love language of their friends and some some friendships failed others succeeded the test <laughs> but yeah it was good good but it was really cool also because i talked to some professors as well or like older people i assume they're professors And they also, like, one of them knew about love languages, but the other one didn't. And when I explained, he was like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Like, that actually is so helpful. And it's really insane. You can just take from 12 to 2, just go to the Raveline, set up some tables, and tell people about a cool thing you learned. And you can really help people improve their relationships. So creating impact in this world, it's not that hard. And... If you just find like the community that you want to target and the topics that you want to talk about and your talent, you can really just domino effect so much positive things into this world. And yeah, so it's it's not that it's not that challenging. It's quite easy and it's very fulfilling. So it's it's good that we empower students to feel that they can talk about these things and everything. Great. So, and uh Are you looking for some activists or some people to, to help? Yes, yes. We just onboarded seven new people last week, so that was nice. And if anyone ever wants to join, just DM us and 
we'll make it happen for sure and we always find a special place for them in our team so like there's no like oh your role is marketing no like what topic do you want to do where do you want to take it do you want to do a little like video or documentary or social media post event it can be anything and that's what i would say if you're leading an activist group or even leading an organization try to find how to empower the people that are joining you and creating value for them as well not just thinking about what you want and what you're envisioning but also what they want because that's when your group can take it to the next level when they feel like this is calling them and they feel like this topic oh this i wanted to talk about my whole life let me just start and then it, it lifts off so i would say that empower the people around you and create a positive impact yes so even if people want to only help you with particular topic because this is really close to them but they don't want to engage completely with everything it is also super possible and yeah needed. we have this is really cool that you bring it up because we started our first like working group that's gonna work with just one topic and it's gonna be men's mental health mm -hmm. so um quite niche very taboo very stigmatized And we just recruited around eight people, men and women, all students from the UT. And they're now working on like mapping out what men's mental health is, what challenges are there for men to connect with each other, to be vulnerable um, and yeah, to to be to be better with their mental health. And they're going to be working on a project, but also talking about it. So, yeah, if people also want to join that, that's open and Yeah, for any other niche uh, projects, we also want to start a project on like creating a sexual safe space uh, for victims to be able to connect with a community and uh, find support there rather than just being delegated uh, by psychologists, but really finding a, a community. So these are like two specific topics, but the men's mental health is a, is a big one. <laughs> It's a big one. What kind of the projects are we doing for it? So this week was our first meeting with the group, actually. And we were just, like, defining um, the topic. So we brainstorm about it, and we just start mapping, mapping, mapping. And a lot of interesting topics came up, like breakups and what does that do to men um, in their journey towards, men's, towards mental health. We're also talking about vulnerability. We're talking about, like, brotherhood and community between men. Um, and also like being vulnerable with yourself and with others. So these are like the issues that we are going to try to focus on and do projects with. But now we're just still in the building blocks of identifying uh, how, how, what we're going to tackle. Do you also think that uh, men mental health problems are also more concentrated here in Europe or is it more international uh, you know international problem um, I think the barriers for men to have good mental health I think has a lot to do on the pressures that men were given when they were children and what type of man they had to become to be valued and to be loved in society And I feel like that is quite similar globally. Um, I, does, I do think it differs per culture. Um, 
But I think the more acute a society is by defining what gender is and what men have to do in society and what your role is. And if you don't fulfill this, you won't be valued. I feel like the more acute that is, the more acute men's mental health is. And the more that you see like midlife crisis going on, um, a lot of suicide between men and a lot of depression that goes untalked about, a lot of burnout. Um, so yeah, I think it's very cross-linked, like sexism in a society and men's mental health. I think it does a great wrong to men to tell them who they have to be at such a young age. I think it's very harmful. Uh, but what do you think as a man? You maybe have more to say. Yeah, that's. I, I guess that's quite a lot. Quite a lot of things. Yeah, it's a lot of things. I need to tell. Yes, I, I I see completely the 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 problems that men can have with with all of the pressure that they're getting because usually it is that yeah I'm also coming from the Eastern uh, Eastern cul culture so it is usually that it, it is a lot of pressure on the men to also provide for the family it is also a lot of um, if you cannot yourself provide it then men may feel completely excluded because if you, if you think about if you think about it like as a society then men needs to always provide for the family and this is like kind of their main thing that they need to do at least what what i'm seeing and yeah i also heard a lot of stories when if man doesn't have this is unemployed for example or so they are struggling a lot yeah i can imagine yeah very much and also it promises people that if you are able to economically provide for your family that's how you reach a fulfilling life yes and there's so many more aspects to life other than economically providing that it's just a big lie towards men that if you do this you will be happy and it's it's so much more complex than that and but yeah. then here is posing the other problem, which is also really complex, because uh, then this kind of the model is also working on the society basis. Because then if you put this kind of the perception that this this group needs to provide for the other group, then it is also making it like economically good. Because like I understand that if I am a man, I want to feel that I can provide for my family, I can provide for the woman that is, for example, taking care of my child. And so obviously it is... Uh, it can go many various ways that men are sit, sit, like spending time at home with children and women is uh, working. But then if we are in societies also maybe if there is no clear clear role given in this sense, it can get go various ways. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think it's quite interesting because we see our society now that's living under like a democracy and a capitalistic economy, but it's been so different like before. But it's interesting what you say because now that women are going into the workforce, it's like okay that a woman works mm. and is at home. So the economy sometimes works ag against society's well-being and that's something that we have to notice because now that jobs are becoming more scarce and life is becoming more scarce, um, we accept that men and women have to work because or else they can't like live. Like they, You can't support the household just with one job nowadays. 
um, but the gender roles don't really change. So, for example, now men are working as they have been in uh, in workplaces, and now women enter the workplace. But at least I can talk for Chile. When women go back home, at the same time that men come back home, they are still expected to cook for their husbands, to take care of the children, to do all the household work. And the man is still in that mentality of, oh, I work, so I can just not do any um, domestic work. Um, so we have to learn how to adapt for our well-being and not just what like society tells us like I'm a man so this is the rights I have but understanding what works for your family what works for your relationships and yeah this is also very recent like in feudalism um, men and women weren't that separated yeah it was a long time ago and I think there was a lot of sexism back then but both men and women worked for the household so uh They would work like in their farms, in their house, and they would all work to uplift like their house. And then when the Industrial Revolution happened and factories came to happen, they they made the gender role so much more acute because they were like, we need men to work like extremely long days in factories, never see their families and yeah, be completely burned out. And therefore, we need women to do unpaid labor. And what does that mean to take care of all of the like domestic part of the household and of people, which is like half of society and do that all free. So this is how capitalism rises. And uh, that's how gender roles got more acute because you needed a man to know exactly what their role is in society, to just be at a factory all day and a woman to understand that they can't leave their house because they have to take care of everything else. And it's it's interesting to see how these this changes with different economic systems. And then you can realize that it's not that biological, but it's very societal, economical and political, how we view what being a man or being a woman is. Uh, it's quite interesting. Yes, exactly. I completely agree with it. So, yeah, when you're looking back on the on the history, it's like, yeah, I, I remember I was... Uh, reading one book on the it is called uh, stumbling on happiness okay and the thing that you mentioned about actually society not wanting like all of us are born with the um with the idea that we need to get a good job and so and then we'll be happy and actually it is just important for more for the society not for ourselves per se And uh, just a as you mentioned, like splitting it that what society wants from you and what actually job labor and so wants for you, it's not going completely with what actually will make you happy. Wow, that's heavy. No, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. And that's why we have to be so self-aware. Like, what do I want and what is society telling me that I yes. want? And what else did that book say? I'm, I'm intrigued. Oh, if I don't know if we'll have time, <laughs> time for, for getting all of uh, all of my insights there, uh, but maybe you can tell me more about the insights from the consent project. The consent project, also to help people be more self-aware. Yeah, so the consent project is an organization uh, that I began, and now uh, it's becoming public. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much it came from a necessity that. Yeah, as I said before, we we don't really get educated, not only on sex, but on relationships and um, 
and on life we don't really get good advice and it's quite the opposite so when we're children we're very much taught to lie a lot of white lies to say yeah i i like this food when you actually don't or to for example no go give your auntie a kiss like you have to do that and if you feel super uncomfortable with that because of whatever reason you're still obliged to go against your own needs and desires and of course when you're a kid it's a balance because you're learning to understand this world but i feel like at this age we still don't know why we say yes to certain things um and sometimes it's because of a lot of external factors that are not actually empowering our decisions so sometimes we just say yes to please others to please their expectations as you also said to go in that road that the job labor is telling us we want this and what the consent project is trying to do is create a more self-aware and authentic society that can really stand up for their choices and be self-aware of yeah sometimes i people please because of this and this factor i'm going to watch out for that and it's a stepping stone in your journey towards understanding what your boundaries are how flexible those are um understanding what you really want and understanding how much you give to others how much you receive uh not in an individualistic way but in a way that it's authentic sometimes we give so much and we start resenting the people we're giving to because we're not giving it from our heart we're giving it from our ego and what the consent project tries to do is yeah create a self-aware place where we can talk about it but also be educated on language and educated on how how do i tell someone that i would rather want this other thing or that i'm not comfortable with what they say or what they have been doing without creating a toxic and polarizing environment because it's not about being like you did this like you're such a bad person you just cross my boundaries that means you're super toxic but rather opening the conversation and being like we're not all perfect and we have to learn from each other let's open up so yeah that's a bit about the consent project and we're launching workshops to talk about all these topics in different communities and different circles um in 2 hour long workshops but also 15 minute like uh, pop-ups and presentations just to like drop some seeds um so yeah different things there where people will be able to find out more about it um so now i have been in contact with some people at the university and um i will try and i think it can be possible to hopefully give some trainings to the student union so the same way that you got the active bystander training getting workshops on consent and being self-aware of of your boundaries and that sounds like a really big word like a lot of people say like no but i don't have boundaries um but everyone does and <laughs> who are telling who, who is telling that they don't have a boundaries i'm gonna i'm gonna tell a little anecdote right now <laughs> come on um i went and did a pop-up at this well-being fair just to tell people about this and give them some tools to become more self-aware and one guy came up to me and asked him like hey like what's up and i was also doing a survey and he ended up filling up the survey and at the end it was like if you were interested in learning more like just tick yes and he ticked no and i was just curious like very open like i'm curious why why don't you think and he was like yeah i don't seem to use consent in my day to day life 
And I was like, this is how butchered the word consent and boundaries is. People think it's like a liberal thing, but it's like, yes, no, and standing up for what you want and being self-aware of yourself. That's something we all have. Like all humans have this and we all need to like learn and reflect about it. But a lot of people seem to think like, no, this is not my, this is not my business. It's not my cup of tea, but it is everyone's cup of tea. So, yeah. I, I I can't believe that some people don't think it is. Great. So we'll also put anything to the description. Later, you also have done University Innovation Fellows. We already stumbled upon this, um, this uh, topic earlier in the earlier episodes. <laughs> uh, but can you tell me what's, uh, how you are you using design thinking in your everyday life right now? Yeah, so design, the reason I joined UAF is because I wanted to learn more methodologies and more about design thinking, because sometimes we want to create impact, but we don't really reflect on, okay, who who am I doing this for? What is the problem? What am I not looking at? Like, broaden your horizons. And I use a lot of design thinking when designing workshops, designing events, exhibitions, and pop-ups. And whenever I'm thinking about creating impact, I really reflect on, okay, is this actually doing what, like, is this actually doing good for society? Like, the fact that you have good intentions doesn't mean that you're going to have a good outcome. And if you are too rushed uh, with the things that you output, sometimes you can do, like, reverse work. And actually trying to do something better, it can it can go backwards. Have you heard about the Cobra effect? No. Tell me. Well, so I, I don't know if the story is actually real, but I heard it somewhere that um, in some point somewhere in the world, I don't want to make mistakes here, so I won't say where, um, there was a huge problem with Cobras. Okay. So the king wa- thought that, okay, we need to, do something with it. Put the the rule that if anyone will kill the cobra and bring it to them, they will get additional money. And they, they were thinking that people will start killing them and eventually they'll disappear. But what really happened was that people start collecting cobras, just breeding them. No way. And going one by one and giving it back so that they're get, getting free money. When the king heard about it, uh, he just stopped the law. Maybe it wasn't the law, but you know, stop it completely. Yeah. The project. So what everyone done? Just let the cobras out. <laughs> no way. So making it all much worse. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty much. Yeah, I fully agree, and that's like design thinking. You really have to think the reverse work you can do, and I think when working with like people and societal problems it's easy to do reverse work because sometimes people are like polarized they feel like this is not my subject this has nothing to do with me and you can even like steer them more away from the subject um when we're all connected we all live in a society we live in a society (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's easy to do reverse work that's why we have to reflect on it and uif taught me a lot of of exercises and things to to think about that to also think about like if you implement your project how does that future look like 
not thinking about the process, but if your project goes exactly as you want, how does that future look like? And just delving deep into that future, you can really see the bad or negative consequences that your initiative could have. And then you can realize how you can um, uh, aid that and work so that it doesn't have those negative consequences. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting that you mentioned because I was also lately thinking about it that many times, and especially entrepreneurs and so they're like so looking only at the outcome what they want to put through if it comes to the marketing everything that they always for not always that they may forget about what outcome it is really giving. Yeah, and that sparked my thought from the idea of TikTok. That idea is nice, amazing entertainment and everything, but there is no holistic look at what it will actually imply on the society and what we are actually seeing right now, all of the problems with attention span and others. Yeah, yeah. And it's numbing us. It's numbing a whole society. Like, how are we able to, like make impact or like reflect if our attention span is only a 15 seconds yes. like it's doing a it's doing a great harm but i think it's also a platform where a lot of knowledge runs through in a more democratic way so that's if we talk about platforms like for example if we compare instagram to tiktok you get famous on TikTok if your content actually speaks to people. And on Instagram is if it's aesthetically pleasing and if you're an influencer, if you already have a lot of followers. And on TikTok, it's like really purely based on, okay, how many people stayed on your video? How many people liked it? And that's something I wanted to say about like making impact. You have to always make sure you're doing it for other people and not just for yourself. Sometimes when you start a project, you're you get so attached to it that you're like you have a tunnel vision as you say and and you don't really think about what that impact is gonna be or like the people you're making it for and i also feel like sometimes your ego can also fall into that and be like i'm doing this not for other people but for my cv and i feel like there's a lot of a lot of people who who fall into that and it's not only bad just unethically but it's also bad for them because if you follow what people need all the doors will open if you listen to your audience if you listen to how you can make this world a better place what people need every door will open for you and uh yeah it's just a snowball a domino effect but if you just work for yourself for your cv for your individualism um nothing can rise smoothly so that that I think is, is a big thing. So were you thinking about it as well when you're doing your UIF project? Yeah. And what is it? Definitely. Well, my UIF project, uh, we have four, uh, all very interesting. Um, the one I'm working most on uh, with Matilda as well, also a, a peer friend in UIF, is creating a sexual safe space. And what we notice is that when someone experiences sexual violence, and this doesn't just mean assault, but like catcalling or someone at a party harassed you, uh, it does affect you. And there's sometimes no space to talk about it. And we want to create a community where you can talk about it, 
find support and heal together because mental health and healing is about community and this world and also TikTok and everything it's telling us it's all about us as individuals but if you are able to be in a community that's supportive that's so much more powerful than you just trying to fix yourself uh, rather than you supporting others and them supporting you so that's what we're trying to create with with UAF uh, a sexual safe space to talk about experiences and find support professional but also community you're doing so many things <laughs> how are you finding the balance how are you doing <laughs> with your study and with other things um yeah i saw this this like as a question that we we want to talk about and i reflected on it and i i'm not gonna say i'm an expert at all on this because I'm finding my balance. But what I have uh, realized uh, this past like month, I would say, that I ca at least I, I can't strive for balance. I feel like we're so young and we know so little that I just define life and well-being and everything as a dance. And sometimes it's going to be a push. Sometimes it's going to be a pull. Um, sometimes you're going to be leading. Sometimes you're going to be led. And so now I'm trying to find my dance and also realizing that setting like my personal boundaries on I don't have to be part of everything or I don't have to do everything I think about or I come up with. Um, but it's quite hard. I'm not going to lie. I've had many moments of of burnout. I don't know if I could call it like that. I don't know if it's enough to call it like that, but... I think it's hard. It's hard to expect from yourself to help people uh, and to and to create impact. It can be very. It can live a fast-paced life, and yeah. What do you mean enough to call it like that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like burnout. The word just it sounds like you're like burned like a cigarette bud. I don't know if. Like, I can tell a bit about my experience. Um, like, my body starts speaking before my mind. And I feel like maybe it happens to a lot of people. Like, our body is our compass. So before my mind starts getting, like, super anxious or, like, stressed or, like, that I really can't handle it, my body stops handling it. So, like, uh, I had one point that was a really, like, breaking point when I was like, okay, I need to <laughs> find a better dance because this is not working out. Um, yeah, I was on vacation and I had a lot of meetings during my vacation, which was already a red flag. Uh, and my hands wouldn't stop trembling. Like I had really bad uh, trembles and I couldn't control it like whatsoever. And then I was like, wow, like I'm so young and this is happening to me. Like how am I supposed to try to help our community if I can't help myself and that's when I really started to think about um, yeah how I can find better balance and still trying to figure it out um, but yeah I think it I think what has helped me most is community and speaking out about what you're going through uh, not going through it alone and my boyfriend has been like my rock 
throughout these three years. Like, I met him during the kick-in, and since then, he has been my absolute rock and support. And, yeah, like, that is worth all the money in the world. Like, to have someone that you can talk to and that can really help you work through your thoughts and, like, help you with just day-to-day things. So find community, find people, and speaking out about what you're going through, I think, is very important when finding your dance, other than your balance, but your dance. (laughs) Wonderful metaphor. (laughs) If you could give one piece of advice to incoming or first-year students, what would it be? First, enjoy explore and find the place that you want to take in a community and in a society the university is like a little society like <laughs> it's a little ecosystem so finding yeah what what do you want to spend your energy on what gives you energy also i think that's a really good uh, compass that you can use things that give you energy where you feel right where you feel like you are using the talent that you have Um, that's when you know you're in the right place and that's when you can start finding that dance and don't be harsh on yourself that you have to find balance, that you have to find the perfect morning routine, the perfect night routine. Find that dance that feels good to you and compassion with yourself and with others and yeah, find and explore what what fulfills you and what my advice on that is because I think that is quite philosophical and quite hard to find. Um, Identify your talents. We all have talents and we're all very unique. And when you have awareness on what makes you different, uh, you can use that to your advantage and find what brings you passion and what you want to talk about in this world. Like hear your voice, come to this podcast and literally hear your voice. (laughs) And yeah, speak loud. Speak firm and speak with love. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Lotella. Amazing podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you for creating this space because behind all achievements, there's a large story that is uh, with blood, sweat, and tears. And it's good that we help each other out and give advice, um, but also show the opportunities in this campus. And you guys are doing such a good job with this podcast on this. So. Thank you for making this podcast and inviting me.